I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, a review of a sketch book that I think you will really enjoy. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters Podcast. I'm Amy. And this is episode 304, a sketch book. I tried to make a video one morning as I walked up the hill. I keep feeling this impulse to connect, to somehow connect and reach and share differently and more broadly to talk, to make things more real. And I ran out of space before I got to the top. I cleared a few things off standing right there on the sidewalk. I deleted some things and tried again to capture the next few steps. And I again ran out of space. Totally a best laid plans moment. I tried a Facebook story recently too while I was heading into the library on a night that was full of rain. I wish I had lots more space than I have. Space is really one of those important frontiers. This urge to connect is strong. It is spring. It is strong. And at the same time, sometimes I'm so hesitant to sit down. So hesitant. There are so many things that happen behind the scenes. And I am sometimes so hesitant. I am learning some hard lessons. Definitely some hard lessons. So things feel a little bit out of sync. But... April. April is here. April is here. April 1, Easter, April Fool's Day, all of this on the same day. And lists, lists have started. And this show was supposed to be before the lists. It was slated as coming out before the list. It was supposed to happen before the lists. And I got sidetracked by talking about the lists and getting things in place for the lists. It takes quite a bit more time than you maybe imagine. So April is now here. All of these things, April 1, Fool's Day, Easter, and new trackers. You did that right. New trackers started today if you're tracking, and it doesn't matter how well you did in March. It doesn't matter if you fell off week one or week two or week three or didn't even try. It's a clean slate a new month, a new chance to track and to see if tracking matters at all to you or to find out tracking what matters to you and new goals, new projects, at least one, at least one thing you hope or plan to do for the month. The 30-day CMP list challenge is one thing that I hope some of you are doing and I hope that's not your major one thing or one goal. I hope you're thinking about something else, something creative, a single project you want to do, a single challenge you are going to do. I know some of you are probably thinking about the 100 days project that starts April 3rd, I think. And I have to admit, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it quite a bit, thinking about what I might do or could do or want to do what might push me in just the right direction, not thinking of something necessarily new, 
But I'm thinking that 100 days and this really broad challenge that so many people take on might give me a different system of accountability that could help force me to do some of the things that I want to do but haven't been fitting in. So I'm still thinking, I keep going to these kinds of ideas for 100 days that are really different and would be fun and seemingly doable, but that don't necessarily fit these areas that I really want to be hitting. So I'm still a little bit torn. I'm a little bit torn. I don't want to end up doing something just to do it because I could manage it. I would rather do something that fits what I'm hoping to do with my own work, even if that might not be the most interesting or shareable 100 days. So I'm a little bit confused about how I might proceed. I do think some of you are doing 100 days. There's been a lot of secretism about that. I'm surprised at how quiet people have been about their planning. In the meantime, daily drawing continues. So I am doing that and doing that successfully. And that really is my most important project. It is my ongoing project. There have been a lot of things going on with that. I did sign up in March for the 30 Faces 30 Days Challenge through Sketchy. So that has changed what I'm drawing in some ways, and it has definitely been a challenge. So I am on track with that, which is an overall daily 365 project. Adding 100 days, I'm trying to think about doing something different, not just counting my daily drawings as part of that. So we'll see. What I want to talk to you about today is a book a book that I have been toting around, one of several. And this is a book that I love. I almost didn't even expect to enjoy this book in the way that I did and have. I sometimes love an intro to a book more than I end up loving the book. I've been noticing that. I think I really, really like book intros, author's notes, I like forewords. I like endnotes too. I always read the bio or the little blurb on the back of a cover, book jacket. This book, though, surprised me. It didn't surprise me when I read the opening pages and thought, oh, I just love this kind of candid talk. But then the whole book continued and it surprised me. Many drawing books you don't end up reading you end up looking. You look, you scan, you flip, and you repeat all the way through the book. You might read a word here or there, but you probably often don't read the books you buy on drawing. And probably the artists and authors wouldn't love to know that. But I think you do a lot of skimming. You do a lot of looking with art books and drawing books. Having flipped through this book now several times, I know that this book is different, different for me. And I wrongly thought that this book was simply an A to Z because I had picked it up and just thumbed through it a couple of times and really noticed the alphabetical portion. I completely thought this book was something different than it is. I thought it was an A to Z, a literal alphabetical tour of things to draw. And that is part of it. But I was delighted and surprised when I started reading this book to realize that it is so much more than that. So this book is probably not new to some of you. I think some of you, I'm sure, have this book. Some of you have taken classes with this person. Some of you follow this person, but not everyone will. 
So I'm still going to talk about this book. It is a few years old, so it's probably available to you at a library. This is Sketch, The Non-Artist's Guide to Inspiration, Technique, and Daily Drawing Life by France Belleville Van Stone. And I think many of you will know her from Sketchbook School, where she is part of the faculty. She taught in one of the courses that I didn't have the opportunity to take. So you might have taken a class with her through Sketchbook School. And I am also going to link to a video interview with her and Danny Gregory. She also blogs at wagonized.com. If you are like me, you know her simply by being part of the online art community, especially the community of people who draw. I have been a big fan of her work at both Instagram and Sketchy. And even so, I was still surprised by this book. I was surprised. I have been a fan from afar of her work, just the seeing of her work. So the book itself and the writing and what she had to say, all of that really came as a wonderful surprise. That she has a beautiful hatching style, extremely beautiful, and does amazing work in ballpoint, that makes her someone, of course, that I am drawn to. She hits those core buckets for me, those core buckets of interest, ballpoint and hatching. I am so there. I'm so there. And she is one of the most amazing and inspirational people that I follow in terms of those two things. I love her style of hatching. Her ballpoint continues to be just amazing to see. So the book, though, it surprised me. It's really good. It is a really good read, a good and matter-of-fact voice and honesty that I really, really liked, and lots and lots of examples from her own sketchbook pages, lots and lots of drawings of everyday things, and I didn't quite expect that either. So the book is a few years old. It came out in 2014. And I know from the work that I see online that her processes, I think, have changed just a little bit. So this book happens at a point in time, I think. Maybe the tools have changed that she's using a little bit. Her style doesn't look all that different, but a little bit has changed. The book does have a chapter on digital art and some apps and styluses that she had tried and was using when this book came out. So she covers digital, but the book really is a testament to pen and paper sketching on anything, on anything. There is a big emphasis on that. And that really was a dose of something that I needed to see. She talks about that several times, and I found those sections to be really important reminders. So The book happens at this point in time. It does cover digital. I think her work now is possibly more digital. And I noticed in the video that I watched, I was trying to make sure I got her name right. And in the video I watched with Danny, she is talking about digital in that video. And that was 2015. So I think this book came out just a bit before maybe she shifted even more to digital. I know... Many of the things I see from her at Instagram are definitely digital. Beautiful, but digital. And that's not any kind of judgment. I just want to note that this book, I think, happens a little bit before what we see now. So her work, her work, her work is really beautiful. 
so beautiful that there was almost a disjunct for me in seeing her work and seeing her talk about work. That was really an interesting thing, seeing the way she talks about drawing and fitting it in and doing things in five minutes or 10 minutes or 30 seconds or 20 minutes and seeing the examples. There's a bit of disjunct because her work is amazing, but it was also really inspiring, inspiring to see how she talks about this challenge of fitting it in and what it takes to fit it in. As a teacher, she draws during meetings. She draws the backs of people's heads. You hear about that, but it was really amazing to see her talk about it and to see some of her examples. She draws chairs and stools and shoes. When proctoring exams, she draws the feet and shoes of kids in front of her taking the tests. I thought that was awesome. She draws cars. She draws the ordinary world, the everyday matters. There is definitely a thread linking her to Danny Gregory. She talks about that. And then, as I've already mentioned, she is now part of Sketchbook School. And there is this interview between the two of them. So I loved seeing it come up in the book, though, seeing this real connection and empowerment that she discovered through Danny's work, through this idea of everyday matters. Today, most of what I see from her is portrait-based, but in the book, she shares so many examples of drawing ordinary, daily, quotidian things, and the ways in which a five-minute versus a 10-minute versus a longer sketch might vary, and how each of those is important. If you have five minutes, that's what you use, and you go with that, with what it allows, with however it turns out, you go with it. And you might learn from it. I loved the realness of her writing and her approach. In talking about tools, she not only draws the tools, but she shows you the kind of line that she gets with the different pins she uses. I liked that. She shows how hatching looks with each of these different sizes of points with different nib sizes. And the drawing of the tools, it's gorgeous. It's so gorgeous. I think every artist draws her tools at some point, often as part of a challenge, but there was something really beautiful in these drawings of her tools, of sketchbooks, of pens, pencils, all of it. It was really beautiful. In talking about paper, she notes that sometimes, not always, but sometimes she uses random paper. She says, quote, I never want to turn drawing into a ceremony. Therefore, Anything close at hand is potentially good. This is how a lot of my drawings end up on envelopes, packages, photocopy paper, or folders. This deliberate randomness forces me to explore other surfaces and accept the challenge of size. End quote. And I thought that was really important. And I really, really keyed in on that first phrase. I never want to turn drawing into a ceremony really important and something that comes up again and again and again in my own thinking about what I'm doing and what I suggest and recommend other people do and how we think about it and how we can create our own systems of entrapment by doing exactly that, by turning it into a ceremony, by making it overly precious. In chapter four, she talks about fitting it in It is an underwriting theme in the book, but in this chapter, she talks about fitting it in, drawing when time and resources are limited. 
That's one of the subheads. She notes the change that happened when she was a new mother and how she had to rethink her processes, say goodbye to hour-long drawings for a while. And an hour-long drawing is a span of time that at some point she had felt like was enough time. An hour was enough. And an hour wasn't possible when she hit this new stage in her life. The point of this chapter is tips for learning how to sketch in small amounts of time. Sketch anywhere, sketch anything. These are things that our creative leaders and creative sources of inspiration say over and over again. It is really important. It cannot be overstated. And it is something that people who really want to begin to draw, but who feel like they don't have a lot of time, have to embrace. They have to really take to heart this idea that you may not have an hour and you have to accept what you can do in a few minutes And not only that, but you have to actually do it. You have to work at doing it and making it a habit, fitting it in, in these little bitty wedges of time and valuing what that offers. And she says that redefining completion is part of it. That's part of it too. Quote, the most crucial of all the readjustments I had to make to juggle motherhood and drawing pertain to the idea of completion. Time constraints now determine when a drawing starts and when it ends. That is why completion has become an elastic concept. When is a drawing done anyway? Does it matter? Don't let it. What should matter over anything else is the act of drawing itself. Relinquish the concept of the finished product and draw for the sake of a few lines, however hasty, on a piece of paper, be it in a sketchbook, on the screen of your smartphone, or on a restaurant placemat, end quote. So redefine completion. And this is important for all of us, not only for those people who have small children. You continue to be busy even after your children are grown. And you continue to struggle with time. Fitting it in and redefining completion go together. You can fit it in, but if you only have five minutes and you're never happy with what you can manage in five minutes because it doesn't feel finished enough, you're not going to be satisfied. So you have to really rethink what your goal is and what you're doing when you make a few lines. Making the lines is what matters and what can have value for you. So redefine completion. And she shows some examples, things that might seem like partial drawings, but that doesn't matter when your focus is the drawing itself, the act of drawing. Really, really like that approach, that perspective on the creative process. I think these days there is an unfortunate emphasis on completion and on showing really finished things day to day. And I am caught up in that. So I am aware of that. And I am spending a lot of time trying to figure out what I do about that. But this book was a wonderful reminder, a wonderful reminder in so many ways and an encouraging voice to tell you to just draw part of something. Force yourself to just draw part of something and call it done. Readjust your expectations. Readjust your expectations. Quote, refocus your attention on what your eyes see and how your hand translates it on paper rather than on what your finished product is supposed to look like. End quote. She talks a lot about doing sketches in short bits of time, waiting in line, for example. And she shows, like I said, examples of what drawings in five, 
or 10 or 20 minutes look like? Drawings of the same object or the same scene in those different amounts of time. And she talks again and again about being willing to draw on anything and the importance of keeping a sketchbook with you at all times because you have to do it in order to make it a habit. She says, quote, the habit of sketching breeds more sketching. And by doing quick sketches throughout the day, you will remove the ceremonious act of drawing. End quote. There's that word again, ceremonious. Very important, I think, especially, especially when people are struggling with limited time. The last half of the book is an A to Z inspiration. Things you can focus on or sketch through the alphabet. And there are many ways you can find this kind of set of ideas, but I liked hers. I liked it a lot. A is for animals and airports. B is for bags and bananas and so on. And with each of these, she gives just a little bit of a blurb about it or about the fact that when you draw these things, when you really look at them, they're different than what your brain thinks about them. And of course, I love that C is not only for cars, which is a theme of hers, but also for chairs. And she writes, Quote, for such a common object, a chair can be tricky to draw, and that's why you should have as many chairs covering the pages of your sketchbooks as you can. Chairs in waiting rooms, chairs in your dining room, chairs stacked, office chairs, armchairs, reupholstered armchairs, seats, chairs upside down, broken chairs and padded chairs, and even if you were to only have one chair around you your entire life, a different angle can turn it into a whole new object, end quote. You know, I loved that paragraph. I'm really glad, actually, that when I went back through to see if there were any little spots I had noted so that I could give you sound bites and quotes, that I reread the page on chairs. I'm really glad that I did that. So you know I loved it. The inclusion of that last line about drawing a single chair I really loved that. And there are even examples in the book and other places. There is an example of an office stool that she has drawn multiple times. And I've done this, drawn the same chair over and over, especially when I'm trying to fit a sketch in, when I have struggled to check off a daily box for daily drawing. I have oftentimes turned to a chair. And I still think chairs are hard. I love the challenge of chairs. And I do think chairs are hard. They play with my brain and they play with what I don't know about perspective in so many ways. They're much harder than they seem. So the little almost broken kid chairs that I have, have been drawn many times. And I will have to keep these forever because they will always be what I turn to when I'm really stuck. Quote, I do not draw to glamorize my everyday life. Its own lack of a glamour appeals to me, end quote. I found that to be a really fascinating, fascinating sentence. And she continues, quote, If I was waiting for my surroundings to be exciting and inspiring in order to draw them, I would seldom open my sketchbook, end quote. And these lines are in a section about drawing your desk, especially in all its messy and cluttered beauty. And if you ever look at those kinds of drawings from people, the drawings are amazing. But I always look at my stuff and think, ick, just ick. And she's really, really, really stressing that you draw it. You draw it as it is. And that is the entire everyday matters concept 
And when you draw it and distill it that way, it also is actually quite beautiful sometimes. Each of the letters in the alphabet stands for at least one subject or idea. Many stand for two. And the subjects are accompanied by examples. I think it's a really good mix. Plus, seeing so many pieces of her work is wonderful. Really, it's inspiring. I think you can learn a lot by looking at her work. This is one of those books for me. And I don't say this lightly. I think this is one of those books for me that would be a carry-along to a deserted island. I really do think so. I liked it that much. I hope you will check it out. Even if drawing is not your thing, I encourage you to take a look and read a few pages. I think you'll find it has resonance the way she talks about the creative process in limited amounts of time. I think it will have impact and meaning and resonance for you. And if you are someone who feels you don't have time to draw, then especially, I think France has a lot to say about that, that you can take to heart and put to use. Like I said, a lot of her work these days, at least, seems to be digital. And I can honestly say that she's not the only one, but she is one of the artists that has made me so tempted, so tempted by the thought of using Procreate and the iPad, which I don't have. I don't have either of those things, but her work has definitely made me tempted and a few other people too. There are definitely a lot of people using Procreate in a way that looks a lot like working on paper. It's very tempting. Not in my future, I don't think. Not for a long time, but tempting. I will link to a couple of videos from her on cross-hatching that some of you may really enjoy watching as well. So definitely see if your library has this. I think you will really like looking at her work and reading her words. Again, the title is Sketch, The Non-Artist's Guide to Inspiration, Technique, and Drawing Daily Life by France Belleville Van Stone. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it for today. That is it for episode 304. I think, I think, I think that I have a couple of books that are very much overdue. And I'm going to do a couple of these shows and just review a few books and talk books with you for a while. So that is it for episode 304. I hope your April gets off to a very good start. As always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. The show notes are available on the creativitymatterspodcast.com website. I am very much aware that the site does not work on mobile. I am not sure I can solve that right now. I am very sad that that's the reality because so many of us access content with our phones. So I apologize if you are trying to reach things and have trouble. You can still sign up for the April List Challenge. There is a separate sign-up form. It is on the blog. You will find it on the front page, a link to it. You do have to sign up because the prompts are coming out in email. Don't know why, but that's what I decided to do this year. And I feel good about that decision. I feel good about doing it that way. So you should receive an email each day. If you're having trouble, you can contact me and I'm happy to look into it. But be sure and check your spam folder first. Even I found it in my spam folder. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidlis. You can find me at Instagram as oamyoamy. That is one of my primary spaces, one of my absolute favorite spaces to be. So I hope to see you there. 
And you can also find me in the Creativity Matters group, the private group at Facebook. Thank you to those of you who support the CMP and those of you who support the CMP at Patreon. Your support makes it possible for me to contemplate the podcast, the actual maintenance of the show in all of its forms, and the ability to consider things like the list challenge. So I appreciate those of you who support the show. You can find out more at patreon.com slash creativity matters. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.